0: Um, so I was, got out of jail after serving six months and the six, the longest six months of my life, you know, um, some days in jail, we did go on 24 hour lockdown and they would actually serve us food on a tray, which was passed through a little hole in the door, (laughs) you know, um, yeah, longest six months of my life. Um, it was it was crazy. I found my faith again though. I did found my faith in a higher power. Me and my a couple of my cellers that I had during the time while I was at Clark County Detention Center there in uh, downtown Las Vegas. You know, we we would read the Bible together. We would pray together. We would do different I would go to any time that I was able to get out of the cell, I um would definitely take that opportunity to do that and one of those times every week was i believe it was on sun on sundays i think um would get out of there and was able to go to the jail church the jail chapel that we had you know of course it was just like a little room but we would sing songs um you know faith-based songs and all of that um which we had two guys from a local church come in and speak to us, and you know that really meant a lot. Really meant a lot. Which is something I want to do, I should do, is uh, they I think in the rooms they call it H and I, which is uh, like hospitals and institutions, where a lot of people from, you know, of course. Um, ravers for Reco- I gotta reiterate that ravers for recovery or any of the other podcasts are not related to AA or NA because you know those programs definitely are by attraction and not promotion. So I do have to you know reiterate that fact. Um, but I w- I want to start going into the gels and have that be part of my recovery. Anyways, I'm starting to run off. <laughs> I'm uh, starting it, to get it, off it's track good,
1: man. again. So uh, how, how... So you said you went to uh, inpatient for recovery, and then how'd you okay? How'd you get up to where you're at now, as far as like recovering, and then like what do you do to stay uh stay where you're at in a good place? It seems like
0: okay. So I did my stint, you know, at, in recovery. That's how I first got introduced to the twelve steps. Um, after I got out of recovery, I was on house arrest for about six months. Went back into court. Um, if anyone out there is going through something like this where you're awaiting sentencing and you are have a court date coming up, my best advice to you would be to get letters of recommendation from your family. Uh, if you have a church that you've been going to, get a letter from a counselor. You know, Get a full-time job. My lawyer said that was the ace in the hand whenever I went back to court. Um But I actually showed about this tonight. My higher power must have been working in that courtroom that I was in because the judge looked me in the eyes and said, never in the whole history of him being a judge has he ever, ever, ever given someone probation with the charges that I've had. But he did grant me probation. You know, much to our surprise, he did grant me that. Um, I, I... I was served. I was sentenced with five year fixed term probation and have had two two year to ten year sentences over my head. Um, so what kept me clean while I was on probation was attending, you know recovery meetings, was being involved with church, all of that um, right. You know, and I I first found the rooms of NA of twelve steps because I had to get my sheet signed. You know, I was one of them.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I was and saying. Like, uh, I was like, I'm just yeah. go- I'm just going because I uh, I have to, and I think that didn't yep. w- that didn't do me any favors in all honesty. But if it worked for you to to g- keep you there, then like you know, yeah. but yeah, continue on anyway. Sorry.
0: It did, it did work. It did work um, for a long while. You know, I, I was really depressed because I went from making a couple hundred dollars a night, being a nightlife promoter, to having to work a job in a back office of a hotel, the Riverside Hotel and Casino in Laughlin, Nevada, um, stuffing envelopes for eight bucks an hour. <laughs> I had to really humble myself, you know, but always in the back of my head, I was like, fuck, man, I want to be back in Vegas. I need to be back in Vegas. What am I not doing? Being back in Vegas, you know, I know wh- how to build a website. I know how to build contacts. I know h- how the industry works and all of that. Um, so I just wanted to be back. You know, my mind was not on recovery back then at all. It was just about doing what I had to do in order to get back to being a nightlife promoter in Las Vegas, and that was to get off of probation, uh, make the courts happy, you know. So I did that. Um, Eventually, I was able to move back to Las Vegas, and I did rebuild my website, and rebuild the contacts and the Instagram page, and all of that, Um, and. For the first year while I was in Las Vegas, I did community service at the Las Vegas uh, rescue mission. And hmm. that gave, that still let me get my good time, you know. But what I had not been doing when I went back to Las Vegas was I did not go to meetings anymore. I never did do my step work. Um, and I was not in touch with a sponsor of any kind. So I stopped going to meetings. I wasn't doing recovery. You know, I was I was living in Las Vegas. Um, so once I completed my probation, July 2017, a week later, I relapsed. Huh. So a week later, I ran into one of my old using buddies, and I fell back into my addiction. Man. So, you know, um, at first, it was fun. It was great. I had... You know, I had about eight to ten thousand dollars saved up in the bank, so I was just off and running again. You know, they say your addiction picks back up where you left off, but even stronger. You know, and that's yeah. that's what it did. That's what it definitely did. <laughs> I went to Life Is Beautiful festival, which is in downtown Las Vegas. I was high there. Um, went to Electric Daisy Carnival. 2018 in Las Vegas, and something really spoke to me during that music festival, and that was when Tiesto, DJ Tiesto, did his tribute to Avicii, who died from his, you know, from his alcoholism that he had. Right. You know, that really spoke to me. uh, But not enough I used for another six months after that um right but yeah you know we've that uh, the music industry has lost a lot of people from addiction and from alcoholism it runs rampant in the addiction
1: yeah, world but,
0: you know in the in the rave world the music industry world
1: yeah I mean not so. even just not even just that I mean like uh, everyone's everyone's afraid of this uh this whole uh, coronavirus that's going around, you know, but like yep. the, the what addiction has done to people, like, you know, for me, like, when you know two people personally that have already died. I had another friend who nearly died from it, and just to see it all go down like that, it's just wild how uh, – how From crazy. the
0: addiction to yeah. alcoholism?
1: Well, no, not from that, but, like, the uh, opioid addiction that was going around, just, like, wiping okay. people out. I, I don't know if you've had anyone affected by that. Uh, not personally yeah no. yeah for me personally it was it was pretty crazy like and you know like everybody that like like both the people that uh i saw pass away like they were like oh i'm gonna get clean i'm getting back on my feet and then like you know a little bit later they're they're back they're back underneath their uh, addiction and you know after that they're you know their loved ones are burying and burying them and it was it was just wild. Like when I was watching it go down, and I know like people are still dealing with it. Like I, I know there's some family members of mine who've re- recently dealt with it, but um, mm. it, it's just wild. Like how how bad addiction is, and, and I mean even alcoholism. Like you said, like you know the numbers you know are scary for Corona to watch everyone get infected by it. But the thing is with coronavirus is like. It might kill
0: There people. will eventually be a vaccine for that. Yeah, there's. That. You know, with addiction, there with addiction, of course, you know, at our meetings, we say that um, it, there's not a there's not a cure for addiction and alcoholism, but we can what we can like stabilize it. I guess you can kind of yeah. say, yeah.
1: you know. But, I mean, the other thing too is like, uh, especially like for <coughs> people who are uh, struggling with it. That's that's why I real really feel strongly about putting out these podcasts right now, especially with like people who are fearful about quarantine and not uh, getting out of where where they're at right now. Personally, like it's uh you know you don't you don't have to turn back to drinking in in even quarantine because mm-hmm. that's like where I said I, I was at yesterday. Like I'm yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So, like, right now, like, I, I'm under quarantine, <clears throat> so I, I can't go anywhere. But, like, for me, like, I, I feel as though, like, carrying the message, using what tools I have to uh, stay sober, you know, for me has worked at least since yesterday. And, you know, I'm almost, I'm almost done with Friday, so. Yeah, yeah. I, c-
0: I couldn't imagine how difficult it must be to be under quarantine because the number one thing that has helped me in my recovery recovery, especially because I moved to, uh, you know, I, I moved, I had to change people, places and things. I moved to Cheyenne, Wyoming, out from Las Vegas, Nevada, you know, from, I grew up in Dallas, then I lived in Vegas, two very large cities, and then I moved to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, <laughs> you know, so I'm a very social person, and then moving here to a town that only has about sixty thousand people. I miss socializing, you know. I miss that a lot. Yeah. Um. Well, um so, th- the meetings have definitely helped.
1: Yeah. No, helped me. Yeah. No. I and I, you. I, you I, haven't, I definitely yeah. agree with that. Like, uh, but like you know. one of the things, like, uh, I was touching up upon, like, uh, for myself personally. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. felt similar to this, where like, you could be around people and, in a sense, like, socializing, but not like really like on the level that you enjoy socializing so like uh like mm-hmm. i like i have a like you know i, I was around a crowd of drinkers and whatnot and in a way like like i felt like i was <coughs> still isolated there's my uh there's my coronavirus man good thing uh good thing you're not anywhere near me <laughs> nah, but uh, right
0: uh, I, do you ever do you use online meetings ever or i know there's a lot of online no, meetings no actually yeah they have
1: yeah no i i haven't done that yet you know and like you're saying we're not we're not a, at all right. connected to aa or na or any of those but no i i haven't but i appreciate like the program like a lot so mm-hmm. but yeah it's a uh, for me like like i was saying before like i feel like i like i could be like um socializing but in a way like like my life like i i just became so cynical about things to where like most of the things that, like, I'd ever conversate with people in real life was mostly just bullshit, and, like, that's kind of, I feel maybe why, like... No deep,
0: no deep meaning to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: there's, like, no no real deep meaning, and I think, like, um that's what I was thinking about, and then, like, uh, I put, I, I made a podcast episode recently, it was about isolation and, like, how uh, dangerous it is, um, just in general, like, if you're recovering or whatever, if you're recovering or whatever, but mm-hmm. I think especially if you're recovering, like, re- like, real isolation could take form in any way. Like, you know, like, uh, you could have friends that are taking advantage of you, you know, who really aren't friends. And, you know, in a way, you're still isolated that mm-hmm. way. But, like, in recovery, you know, sharing and kind of just being honest about what's going on uh, helps a lot. And then, you know, like, I, I don't feel like I'm hiding shit from people, too, so it's not like uh Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's like I'm not uh, – I don't feel it at, at as much odds with uh, every day. So, yeah. Yeah, you know,
0: some th- the coronavirus does does scare me, and as f- of course it makes – I oh – shit. It's already – it's only been around for, what, three weeks I think. Yeah. I think, and the changes that all of us have already – Had to make. I I received an email, actually, from the church that I go to today, and the email said that this Sunday's service is canceled because we have a large, we have, um, I don't know. Our services are about 150 to 200 people that go. Our congregation is really large, and that's the thing that I look forward to on Sundays. And now we're not going to be able to have that, you know, like, um, if the coronavirus gets a lot worse, then we might not be able to have our meetings, you know, our, our meetings, recovery meetings, our
1: recovery meetings are going to go <laughs> just as they are now, you know, having these podcasts yeah. shit. Like I, I might have to, uh, maybe we'll set up like a discord or something and get a, a group of people. I don't, I don't even know how that'd work. It'd be that I'd be an interesting way of doing it. But,
0: um, yeah, a, a lot, what I see a lot of people do, a lot of these uh, podcast groups, like a big group is the uh, Chicago Hope Dealers. They have 9,000 people in their Facebook group, you know. Wow. It's
1: pretty crazy. <laughs> They're
0: huge. Um, the Addiction Unlimited podcast group with Angela Pugh, she has 900 people in her Facebook group. Wow. Um, the one that I just started in September, which is Ravers for Recovery, you know,
1: yeah. Do you highlights
0: want the you clean want to and. S- Sorry.
1: Yeah, Do you yeah, want yeah want to I'll talk, talk about a, it. Talk
0: Sorry. a little bit about that. Um, so you know, dance music has always been a huge part of my life. Um, right. and it's not, it, you know, the rave culture isn't appealing to me just because of the drugs and the alcohol and how effed up you can get at them. Um, you know, but it's more about the music. The lyrics, you know, the uh, peace, love, unity, and respect that ravers show to each other, you know. Um, You know, you you walk into those, and people are giving each other hugs, you know. Um, Trading candy with each other, which candy are the little bracelets that, you know, you pass around to each other with – like, you know, they can say anything like be happy or smile or something like that, you know. Um, so whenever I came to end a recovery, I actually made some candy bracelets. I've made about a, over a hundred of them now, but oh, they wow. all say just, they say just for they on them.
1: Oh, wow. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out for sure.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I passed those out.
1: I'll put a link up on my, uh, my Facebook for it. So you, you get some more exposure from my end if you get a a way of uh, yeah. shipping them out to people I, I'll try to help you out with that as well
0: yeah with those it's okay so originally I was thinking of making them and selling them but it takes oh my god there's a, it takes a long time to make them You know. So but I I I just hope to inspire other people to make these, you know, to give to people. Just as a simple simple daily reminder that hey, there's other people in the struggle with you. Someone took the time out of their day to actually make this, you know, and give to you. So um but also what we do with Ravers for Recovery, um we like to highlight the clean and sober movement that is going on in the concert and bar world, such as um he actually founded, with two of his sponsees, founded the Insomniac Consciousness Group, which is a group of clean and sober ravers that hold recovery meetings, and also, you know, they they like to party together as well. Not Party doesn't mean always use drugs. You know, they like to go to the concerts and see Uh, each other and just have a good time, but they also have recovery meetings at places such as um, Electric Daisy Carnival in Las Vegas and Beyond Wonderland and also... um, They have some other groups that go by other names and go to Bonnaroo, Coachella, uh, different events like that. So in addition to Patochoa, there is a group called Lightning Without a Bottle, which is in California at Lightning in a Bottle. There's there's what? Sober Forest at Electric Forest, which is up in Michigan. But... But back to the coronavirus, you know, it's canceling all of these music festivals, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild, and yeah, I'm, like I'm so worried yeah. about all that, like uh, all these meetings that are getting canceled, and you know, you got people who like need to be in those rooms and like seeing like human, in my opinion, like humans who are human uh, interaction. Yeah, yeah, and like. I feel like that, that could be part of the uh, issue, especially with this new generation where it is it is so easy to isolate from everybody. And, you know, y- you're kind of just like uh, a blimp on a screen to a lot of people eventually. And, you know, like, sa- it, I, I don't know if, if you share a similar perspective, but that's how I felt about myself. I'm yeah. like, I'm just a, a blimp on a screen that, you know, suddenly it disappeared, you know, even if there was some crappy new uh, news about it I'm like uh, how many people would really uh, take it to heart but and it, it shouldn't even like I shouldn't even have been thinking about that like it, it's not even about how many people or whatever you know like uh, I think just living living a quality of life that doesn't revolve around Facebook Yes sh- shit uh, like uh, this whole numbers thing it, it's rough it's rough in recovery You know, especially when you you yeah, you know can
0: count. You know that's why, that's why I. Okay, so me and Dave we just met tonight, (laughs) um, and we met online in a (laughs) podcast Facebook group, and he sent me a friend request. I spoke for a little bit through private message, but I think after two seconds, I actually called him to make it a more personal interaction because you know like you're saying it's just a little blip on the screen that's how i think of just messaging sometimes it's just uh it's just you know words it's like it's like talking to siri or something you know yeah
1: um but if
0: you act actually call each other then it makes it more personal
1: yeah and in a way, like uh, I think for me, uh, with this whole coronavirus, like the memes, you know, it's funny and they're basically just blimps on the screen. But mm-hmm. uh, taking taking it from personal experience, when you're sitting there in quarantine, it's not it's no longer just a a blimp on a screen. So like the phone,
0: you mean the phone call is yeah makes it more.
1: Well, while well I was saying like uh, m- being in a quarantine where uh, I can't go anywhere because I'm potentially mm-hmm. carrying around this virus is. It's not. A fu- it's not as. Fu- it's not a funny meme, but, I mean, I'm still laughing at these. Like some of these memes okay. that that are, yeah. com- coming up. I don't know if you've looked at any of them, but uh, there's like one. that was talking about how. Uh, the UN is gonna be going through the U.S. and uh, 300 million people are gonna have spotless butts because of all the uh, <laughs> what? all the uh, the uh, huh. toilet paper we uh, we were consuming. Oh yeah. mm. So
0: yeah i don't i I don't even get the whole toilet paper thing. like yeah. why?
1: Well, it's because um, people are going out going out to Costco or Walmart or wherever, and they're ho- they're going out and buying just large quantities of toilet yeah, paper. yeah, and why
0: why are they buying? I'm like, why are they even buying the large quantities of that?
1: I don't know. Uh, maybe it's so uh, like I said when uh, the u n comes <laughs> to look at all of our dead bodies, you know. They'll know we were using our uh, our toilet paper as efficiently as po- <laughs> possible. I don't. <laughs> I, don't
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. At first, to me also, at first, I was like, "What's the big deal?" Like they're making a huge deal of it. But then the. Okay, so we're talking about addiction on here, right?
1: Yeah.
0: So this is a thought that I had to myself earlier today, was. I was, uh, I'm really being an addict, I think. I'm trying to stop it now. <laughs> but it can get carried away by checking out the news, yeah. by always watching the news and always reading all, about all these stories and all the cancellations and everything like that. It's It can be an addiction. Yeah,
1: you know what I was thinking, though? Like, you know? um, like imagine if the news had no input on this virus, right? Like, there was no communication and, like, Say like nobody knew like specifically what what we were all carrying around, like mm-hmm. uh I wonder how how the same situation would pass out like say like in the early nineties you know where most of our information was oh where we didn't
0: where we didn't even have all this yeah, yeah like
1: where our information wasn't fed to us through this constant uh cell phone access like if it was fed to us through just the television you know like how mm-hmm. how 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 uh. I wonder how much different it would be. I mean, because I mean, stomach stomach bugs go around, flus go around, you know. And like I was just thinking, like if if we didn't have yeah. such a such a social access to each other now, like what what would the story be like?
0: You know, I think it's good it's good and bad that we are able to get the word out so quickly, and everything is is good because we can have a lot of precautions, yeah. you know, uh, but it's kind of bad because it does make everyone panic and it does make people buy up uh, food and toilet necessities papers. to where other people aren't then able to get it, yeah. you know, and then, and then you start seeing these things. I don't know if any of them are true yet, but people selling toilet paper for like $10 a roll.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> You know. Yeah, I haven't I haven't come across a 10 dollars or a roll of toilet paper.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, like I don't right. know if they're just jokes. I hope they're just joking, you know,
1: but Yeah, I, I keep seeing those j- jokes about uh CVS, how long their receipts are and like how people are going to just <laughs> turn to CVS. But the other thing I was thinking too when I was walking through the store, I was like you got to be like just imagining how much money these retail stores are making right now off of this whole issue you know where everyone i heard uh, well
0: i i I read that amazon is gouging people yeah you know there was a statement that walmart won't
1: yeah but but that
0: amazon is
1: i I was i was uh just wondering that i was like man i was like oh i wonder like what this is doing for the economy like even though like yeah everyone's saying like oh stocks are dropping and blah 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 but I'm like, somebody's making money off of this right now. Like, so, like you know, you have everybody all at yeah. once ru- rushing to all of these different stores where they're like, oh, you know, buy everything, you know, clear out their shelves. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, who, I think whoever owns owns these companies right now is probably like, all right, like, cool. But it maybe not because yeah. you get a lot of people on uh, paid sick leave or whatever. So who really knows, right? I mean, that that's the other thing. It's like looking Looking uh, forward too much is not a healthy thing. It's trying to try to stay in the mm-hmm. moment about it. So.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of skill. I think there are a lot of skills that us in recovery might be able to help the general public out with. Yeah. You know, skills that we've learned in recovery that we can help the general public that have never been in recovery with. Yeah. You know, like just for today, like uh, coping mechanisms you are talking about different things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I could definitely see that. How like coping mechanisms and what's going on now uh, probably is going to be a pretty useful thing to actually have some idea about. But Gra-
0: another thing, gratitude list. you know, we can get so negative with all the news going on now with the uh, with all the music festivals. That's a one thing that I've been sharing a lot with my group, the Ravers for Recovery. Is all the music festival cancellations. You have uh, Coachella, South by Southwest, Ultra, uh, Tomorrowland, which is the Tomorrowland, France. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: you know, all those, all the nightclubs in Vegas are closed. Day clubs are closed. Um, buffets in Vegas are closed. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, you
1: got that, and you got people that. can get really negative, all so these, we need uh, to do gratitude lists. All these, uh, you know? sport, these sport, uh, leagues going yeah. down, all yep. of them, literally, like, NFL. Well, NFL is not in season, but you got yeah. NHL, but hey, MLB, but there's yeah. sp- this
0: is supposed to go on for a while. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're saying. The NCAA, the March Madness. Yeah, yeah they
1: were showing, uh, yeah. I, I saw there was a stupid, another stupid online thing. It was showing a, a March Madness, like, uh, uh, bracket, and it was showing all the states that are still still in. I heard about that. Yeah, and it, it was showing Idaho as the last state. I was telling my I was telling my wife. I was like, I told you. I was like, I told you Idaho was the state we had to move to. I was like, look, they're doing fine. Wyoming's
0: pretty low, I think. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Or or what? What kind of bracket is it? It's like a bracket of who's gonna get it last. Yeah, like who? Yeah, or like or?
1: who's gonna win like the uh, the coronavirus championship? Like who's ever like last standing? Mm. I think. So it was showing like Alaska was uh was pretty far up there, and then they just went down. So I, from what I heard from yesterday, it, was, it could definitely be different as of right now. But I guess Idaho was like the only state left that didn't have any uh, reported infections with this mm. whole thing going on it was, it was fun. Like, what uh, about
0: Hawaii? Hawaii's kind of like out there on its own.
1: Yeah. But they got, um, they got all those flights coming in too. I'm sure probably mess okay. it all up. But, uh, I, was, I don't know. It was, it was really weird. Like when I was in my, uh, addiction with like isolation, <laughs> mm-hmm. I had this, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was from like the hurricanes or something. And I was like, man, shit's going to hit the fan. I was like, we gotta we gotta go find a a place out in the middle of nowhere, stock up on food and everything else. I was like, you know what? I think Idaho would be perfect. And then <laughs> this this is when I was like a raging drunk, and for some reason I I decided Idaho was <laughs> the best state.
0: Be a that's <laughs> crazy. Be a doomsday prepper in Idaho. Yeah.
1: yeah. No,
0: like yeah, our, we think we're crazy, but hey, sometimes we have good thoughts.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And then when you're sober, you're like, fuck, man, you're like. You know, what? It, it, at least I, I remembered that saying that at some point <laughs> we, we, we were bringing it up to our families. Like, what? You guys are fucking nuts. Idaho. What are you going to do there? Grow potatoes. I'm like, right, I'm like, or, I'm sure I'm sure if uh, if you're if you're in this situation now and you knew you could grow your own potatoes still, you know, <laughs> you'd be laughing at everybody mm-hmm. else over it. But, uh, yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Self, uh, what do they call it? Self reliant, just be self reliant, I guess.
1: Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah, man, yeah,
0: so, um,
1: so, yeah, where, where, anything can, else? Where can, uh, where can, uh, the s- sober motivators, cause that's what I, I call call my community, yep. Yep. where, where yep. can they go find, uh, the ravers in recovery? Are you on, uh, all
0: right, so. Ravers for Recovery. We have a website, RaversForRecovery.com. Nice. On there, um, have a lot, have some stories, recovery stories on the website. Also have a section of EDM moments I made on there. I like that a lot. Um, nice. Actually, have t-shirts available now nice. for purchase. Just follow the links on there. Um, we do have a Facebook group, Ravers for Recovery. Search for it by that. Um, I th- believe we're up to four hundred and thirty members on there. Huh. Um, of, of course, the Ravers for Recovery podcast. Definitely. Um, let's see. We also have. I have an Instagram I'm trying to work on. You know, it's Ravers underscore for underscore recovery. Instagram is. It's difficult, yeah. <laughs> you know, to kind of grow the following and all that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's definitely not easy. Like, uh, I I f- figured out this there's this app on uh on Instagram that I I picked up. I'll I'll send it over to you, but it uh, generates hashtags, and that's what I figured out. Like, it matters a lot unless like you don't care and you just flat out buy followers, which I from what I understand are pretty expensive. But there's this app. It's called hashtags, and then you just add in like five words. Yeah,
0: I have, I have one of them that I kind of use.
1: Yeah, that's um, what I've been using. And uh, like the other thing I've been doing is doing like vlogs too, and just whatever else. Okay, but it, it's really hard to s- to get up on too. Like uh, Instagram's kind of hard to g- get get going, and like uh, like I was telling you before, like it was really weird like posting these these episodes and like uh, I was using simple cast and I don't know if it's mm-hmm. simple cast just being really good at pushing it. And that's why I'm, why I was paying for it or what, but it was just, it was going. So I was like, man, I was like, it sucks that so many people are listening right now, listening to old shit. And I'm, I'm fucking, I'm in my, my hole. So, but yeah, it, it's definitely, uh, so have,
0: have any, of th- have the listeners reached out to you?
1: No, you know, yeah, that's the other thing. Or too. do you
0: ju- have the? Or do you just see the numbers yeah, and then maybe? Yeah,
1: no, I just see the numbers yeah. right now. Like, uh, I'll, 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 I'll send you the analytics. That, that's what I've been trying to figure out. I'm like, how, how real are these numbers? But yeah, exactly. But or are it, they
0: just saying that you have a lot of listeners so that they can charge you?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could be. You know, but I mean, the fa- my Facebook group has been a uh, steadily growing or like I think organically since like I, I haven't paid for that's any, good yeah any promote promotion on that that's that's where like I'm trying to keep away from is paying for promotion I guess right now because mm-hmm. I'm happier growing organically than I would be trying that's to, the best way to grow I believe yeah yeah because yeah, then it's like um I, I don't know like, like to me it comes off inauthentic so um yeah
0: yeah and, and also whenever you do grow organically the members will invite other members. They invite their friends, you know, to the group as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like. So I'll definitely,
0: definitely have to send you a request to be joined to the uh, Rivers for Recovery group.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll check it out and then uh. Yeah. Same same for you. I'll sen- I'll send you a invite into the page. I don't have a re- okay. I don't really have a closed off like, uh, group or whatever. But if uh, mm-hmm. for whenever you're you're dropping any podcasts or any of your anything from from your side for sure you're more than welcome to uh let my uh audience know. I definitely definitely uh be more than happy to let you do that.
0: Awesome, sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate you having me on again. For sure. And yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch if anyone wants to reach if anyone is listening to this and you are you know suffering from addiction or alcoholism right now, or even suffering from the coronavirus right now, know that there are people like me and Dave that you are able to reach out to. And we appreciate you reaching out to us. And, you know, I appreciate you reaching out to me. In no way are you bothering me at all. Um I want to hear from you. I I love the newcomers. You know, I love being of service. It gets me out of myself, and, you know, that's what we're all about. That's how we make it in this world.
1: For sure. So. But, um, yeah. yeah, all right, man. So, uh, li- like I said, uh, catch out Troy. He's on Ravers for uh, Recovery, and uh, we're going to wrap this up for the 17th episode of Sober Motivation. Uh, you can catch it on iTunes on pandora spotify and wherever else but uh anyways thank you guys for tuning in for tonight's episode and i hope to see y'all soon all right guys welcome to today's on the 13th of march 2020 sober motivation i'm here today with troy wagoner from ravers for recovery and he's here to share our share his story in recovery with all of you guys and anyways uh welcome to troy and i'm glad to have you on the show today and um so i know we, we kind of met up today on the facebook group and had a little bit bit of a chat before about how we both got sober um you know and so anyways yeah. uh would you like to uh let let us know about how well, you began
0: Well, Dave, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You know, very grateful to be on the, this is the first time that I have been a guest on a podcast. Um, So I am very grateful to you and for what you are doing by getting the message of recovery out there to other, you know, other people that are recovering. And especially to the person that is maybe on the fence of finding recovery and, um, you know, is not sure if it's for them yet. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, podcasts like yours and also the podcast Ravers for Recovery and all the other podcasts that are out there, I hope that those reach the still-suffering addict and alcoholic and that they are able to find um, recovery, you know. For sure. So, um, so to give you a little bit about who I am and what you know, what made me, I guess, fall into addiction, and eventually how I found my recovery. Um, so, like you said, my name is Troy Wagner, and I grew up in Texas, um, and. Yeah, so are I grew up in a Texas. A, are you a went to college went to college there in Texas. Um, after graduating with my Bachelor of Arts degree, I actually my sen- well I was a senior there in college, um, at University of North Texas, I would listen I would watch on T V actually a show called The Club, which featured Paul Oakenfold and uh, it, it would be based on – based at a nightclub in Las Vegas, which mm-hmm. was Ice Nightclub, um, and was like, damn, I want to do that. I want to be part of the party. You know, I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be there and everything, so – and so that's what I did. Nice. <laughs> you know, um, I moved out to Las Vegas, got a job for Ice Nightclub, Um And, you know, I did party a little bit while I was still in Dallas.
1: Yeah. I had a
0: couple friends. Uh, Go uh, ahead.
1: You're a Cowboys fan, I'm guessing?
0: Cowboys? Well, well, they were good. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, they had the three-peat back – I believe that was the early 90s. They had a three-peat. Yeah. So uh, back then I was a fan. (laughs) But, you know, as I grew older – I really liked the partying, the warehouse parties in Dallas, a lot more. Yeah. Um, I did ha- did have a re- relationship while I was in college. Once we broke up, though, I was even engaged to this girl. You know, like I loved this girl with all my heart and everything. So once we broke up, I I was really lonely. You know, I was I was really lonely. So I met some other girls that. Um, you know, she had just broke, got out of a relationship as well. So what we would do to hang out was I wasn't really attracted, <laughs> attracted to this girl, but um, but she did always hang out with me and bought me ecstasy for free. Huh. You know, like I didn't have to pay for it, nothing like that. Yeah. So, you know, we fell in love with the party scene. Um. Went out to a place called Lizard Lounge there in Deep Ellum, Dallas, Um, and we would go out there, pop a pill of ecstasy, you know, um, continue our night to a warehouse party in Dallas and party till the sunrise, you know. Sounds wild. (laughs) It was. It was. You know, I loved it. I loved the party life. And I did not really fully know what I was getting myself into. If I had known, you know, then maybe I wouldn't have partied as much as I did. Yeah. yeah but yeah for sure. So so for the six months whenever I graduated college and moved out to Vegas, um, that was around two thousand seven. The first six months that I was in living in Las Vegas, promoting at Ice Night Club, I would do ecstasy every Friday and Saturday night.
1: Man. You know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for me, I I went from being, like, uh, I'm I'm currently in the the military right now. I'm serving. So uh, my choice was always, I went from uh, beer to whiskey for a a while. And I'm surprised that I'm still alive after all that. And then went back down to beer. Which really, it wasn't much different with, you know, how I was acting. Like I, I was Jekyll and Hyde. I was that guy. Like, if you told me mm-hmm. what I did the did the night before, like, uh, you'd be I, I'd I'd never believe you. I'd be like, no way. I was I was playing video games last night. Like, uh, <laughs> I had one instance I was playing Rock Band and woke up the next day mm-hmm. and I, I thought the cat destroyed my house. I was like, these cats are destroying my dang house. And <laughs> But yeah. it was you. Yeah, it was or me. What? Yeah, I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit, that was me!" <laughs> and uh, well. you, you know, when you get like the text the next day, and they're saying like, "Oh, you know, what you just did," and I'm like, "Man," like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's the other thing that like, I, like I, I hope people uh can take with uh this message with recovery is that like, you know, when you wake up with regret, it doesn't have to be about something that you don't you don't even remember doing, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like that's where I was at, and like I was I was on always in a constant state of anxiety like i still probably deal with it a little bit right now but it's not like how i was like i I was i was way out of it with like the things that like were going on like uh i first got sober before uh i relapsed at the end of uh this last october um i was sober like a year before that but like leading up to that like i just had so much anxiety like you know like the news was just blasting us and social media wasn't helping mm-hmm. up helping out too much, like going through all these uh these uh Facebook ads, you know, and like uh I think that was part of the reason why like I had a hard time working any sort of like twelve step program was that like I felt like everything was like a huge scam in a way. Like uh I thought um uh, like everything was fake news or somebody was trying to sell me a book. And so like when yeah, I
0: Yeah what I what I what I like, you know like you uh this is what I've been hearing a lot in the meetings as well um, lately, or what's just been sticking out to me lately, is that you don't have to reach an ultimate bottom in order to recover. You know, you were telling me how you work at a hospital, yeah. which is a a great job, a very good job. Um, you know, and that you have been in the military, which is really awesome as well. You know, um, you don't, I don't have those opportunities anymore to me. Um, you know, I I do talk a lot when I explain my story. Um, I'll just go ahead and fast forward really fast. Um, so I started my weekend, you know, started my life off in Vegas partying doing, on ecstasy. So ran out of money, moved back to my parents down to a town called Laughlin, 90 miles south of Vegas. Um, tried to move back to Vegas. You know, and I par- got back into the party scene. Everything. Then I moved back to Laughlin. Then I moved back to Vegas, um, and then I met some girl online, and I kind of challenged her that said, "If you can stay up all night," you know, um, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into by saying that. But she said challenge accepted, and uh, sh- she actually introduced me to meth. So which would bring me to my ultimate bottom. And the ultimate bottom um was yeah, um, you know, I pushed her away into the arms of another guy who she told lied to me, telling me it was her friend's younger brother. But I never met this so called friend of hers. I did meet him. I actually me having a good heart actually and not wanting her to be living away you know i actually moved her and him in with me because i was at work every night promoting strip clubs um and nightclubs you know running my nocturnal vegas website right um, i was doing all of that and they would be at home all night using together i would get home from from working on the strip and see them um together in the living room not really caring what they were doing, all I wanted to do was use the drugs, and also he was the hookup for um, the drugs. You know, his friend was our dealer. Man, and so she cheated. So the last year of our relationship, she actually cheated on me for a year with this guy who I was letting live with us. I was paying the bills. You know, I was, but I didn't care. That's what my addiction did to me. I didn't care. I was getting in a deeper and deeper and deeper bottom. Then one day, even I, uh, you know, yeah. People, some people say I shouldn't sh- share my whole story, it, but it's, it's, it's out you, there, man. you know. I'm, yeah. I'm op- yeah. I'm open about my recovery and my whole story, so that um, hopefully people don't get to the bottom that I had. But one day, this guy that I let live with us, who my girlfriend was cheating on. On me with um, He asked me for a ride to the dealer's house. You know, there was a guy that owed $50 in weed For weed that um, the guy that was living with us had sold had given to him had fronted to him Um, one day we went to go pick up the dealer his friend and Gave them a ride um, To go collect this money. I parked two blocks away They got out of the car actually went to go collect the money uh, not knowing, I didn't know that the dealer had a gun actually on him, with him. So um, when they went to go collect the money, the dealer, um, or the guy that owed the money, he went after the gun, and our dealer shot him three times in the chest, actually point-blank. Wow. Taking his life from him, um, and yeah, took his life from him. And what did we do? We, we, you know, they came running back to the car. I gave our dealer a ride home. And on the way to drop him off, they told me that they had shot this guy taking his life. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it should have been a wake-up call to me. It should have been a wake-up call like, hey, I need to get to the police. I need to tell them what's going on. I didn't do any of that because what did I want to do? I just went back to my addiction, you know, and working yeah. on the strip. Um, a week later SWAT arrived at our house and I opened the door, the front door had a red dot on my chest. <laughs> you know, I had a red dot on my chest and it was the Las Vegas Metro you know, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department SWAT unit. Wow and uh, yeah we were taken in interrogated by homicide detectives I did not ask um, I did not ask for a lawyer like I should have yeah um I did not ask for a lawyer like I should have so I was interrogated for eight hours and the first time that my parents found out that I had this addiction to any type of drugs they also found out that I had been arrested for murder in the first degree
1: wow (laughs) that's pretty intense you
0: know um so they found that out on the same day I ended up spending six months in jail Um, I did have a great lawyer a good lawyer um, paid lawyer of course which was able to get me separated from the other two guys. Um, And then I was my dad. God bless his heart. You know, my dad's in the hospital right now due to some uh, heart complications, and he's been in there for about three weeks.
1: Man, well, Um, my prayers go out to him for sure. You
0: know, thank you. I appreciate that very much. He was my savior. You know, he he had to call about 25 different places. I'm trying not to get emotional here right now, you know. Yeah. Um but but he had to call it around 25 different places. This was back in 2013 November, November 2013. Huh. he, he fi- finally found a inpatient place um, you know, inpatient which had a bed available and was able to take me, you know, with as being someone who was arrested for this. You know, that was hard to find. It was hard to find in the, a place with an open bed, and it was hard to find a place that would accept someone with the charges that I had. You know, but he finally was able to find Vitality Center up in Elko, Nevada. Uh. Um, so he was able to find that, and, you know, I was able to go get out of jail. Have You know, I one thing that I had to do In order to get out of jail was to plead guilty to two charges. And my lawyer had explained to me that the reason why I was guilty of it, even though I was parked two blocks away from the actual um, crime where the crime took place, but the reason why I was guilty of the crime was because I never went to the police afterwards. And then I did lie to the police once I was once I was, um, arrested, you you know, but the reason why I was guilty is because I gave them the ride and I didn't go to the police afterwards and all that. Yeah. So I know you'll probably have to do some editing for this (laughs) because because I'm all over the place with my share.
1: No, man. I, I honestly like, uh, I, I, I I edit probably zero percent of it. Like that's kind of the, the format that I've been rolling with. I don't, I don't like to, uh, like I said, I'm not a big bullet point. With this, because that was my whole yeah. reason of uh going into podcasting and all that. It was because uh, I got sick of uh, having some format to follow. Like there, there are some formats that like I follow for me. Like uh, you know, I'm following a s- schedule of like yeah. keeping my sleep schedule tight and uh, whatnot. But like as far as like what I al- what I,
0: yeah, what I also believe with the podcasting, especially recovery based podcast, is. If we don't do the editing, then it keeps it more real, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's, that's kind of where I, I want to k- keep it. Like, uh, like before, like I was saying, like when I fell off, like uh, I was doing everything kind of inauthentically, and like it, mm-hmm. it made it harder for me to do it, like to push out episodes, cause I like I had somewhat of a format where like I'd go read a book and I'd be like, oh, this is an inspirational book like th- then then I I'd go off of that and it wouldn't run too long which I don't know if is it's a good thing or a bad thing but like uh I had one other person on this podcast before and we didn't really follow any sort of like script or like bullet points or anything like just pretty much how how it is how you're talking right now like like we were just flowing conversational yeah, yeah yeah which I I think honestly is uh to me like something I'd prefer to listen to is like more conversational and the other thing too is like if I don't feel like I'm entertained by the conversation there's probably a good chance that whoever else is listening isn't enter- entertained <laughs> by it either so that. that's kind of where I where I b- I've been rolling with it so far and uh like I said um we'll probably make some uh yeah. I might make some uh, edits with like uh like coming up to the sponsor right now with uh anchor